Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, episode 226. Hi, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I'm so glad you're here. Well, today I wanted to revisit a conversation we had with a previous guest, Gino Barbaro, about a year ago from today. We had Gino on episode 123, where we discussed building a multifamily investment business. Gino is an investor, business owner, and entrepreneur himself. He's been investing in real estate for 15 years and has grown his multifamily portfolio to 900 units in just over three years. So today, we're going to dig in and revisit all of those things that we talked about with Gino, how he was able to do that, and talk about his systems and his three-legged approach to multifamily investing. So without further ado, let's jump into that episode and revisit that conversation. All right, today I welcome on the show, Gino Barbaro. Gino, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on, Jacob. How's it going? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to have you on. Gino, could you tell the audience members a little bit about yourself, how you guys started investing in real estate and your journey? That could be an hour and a half show, so I will condense it as quickly as possible. Um, I've had an an interesting journey just like everybody else. I am a father of six kids. Um, We homeschool our kids. it's all about personal responsibility for, for me and my family. It's all about, you know, maintaining and controlling your destiny. But once I really understood that, I said to myself, I'm going to enjoy my life. Up until the point I, I didn't do that. I mean, I was in the restaurant business for over 20 years. Um, I was doing really well first 15 years. And then the 2008 comes, you know what happened in 08. My father just passed away. I was working with him for, you know, over 20 years. <clears throat> the economy really took a bite out of everybody, not just construction, not just, you know, real estate restaurant business got, got really hurt. And I said to myself, boy, this, this, this Obama guy, this, this, you know, uh, economy, it's everything is, 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 you know, going against me. When in reality, there were other people out there making millions of dollars still. And I didn't understand that. That's why I ended up going to coaching school. I just for personal development, I didn't want to become a life coach. I just said, I need to work on myself. I need to work on what other people are doing that they're doing differently that I'm not getting those results. And when I graduated from it, I figured out my who, what, how. I figured out why I wanted to do certain things because I was always focused on which most of the people are in this world of what I didn't want. You know, ask somebody what they want. They'll tell you what they don't want. So when someone asked me back then, what do you want? Well, I don't want to work the restaurant. Well, that's great. But what do you want? And, you know, I had took me a little while to figure that out. And what I wanted was to become financially free. More than anything, I realized that's what I wanted to do. And working at the restaurant was not going to allow me to do that. 
Yeah. Well, how does one transfer from the restaurant business into multifamily? It seems like a unique transition. Walk us through how that happened. Sure. Well, back in, you know, I have two parents that are immigrants, so they're from Italy. So when they came here, you know, as most immigrants do, they save their money and they bought real estate. So I knew intuitively that buying real estate, having a tenant pay down a mortgage, having the principal uh, being paid down, having the appreciation, having a little bit of cash flow, having the tax benefits that if you want to talk about later that compounds with multifamily, that was a good idea, right? Um, so I said to myself, I have to get into that. So back in 2002, me and my brother bought a fourplex together while we were at the restaurant. We bought this little four unit up the street and I fell in love with it. I mean, I know what I was doing. I did all the newbie mistakes, overpaid a little <laughs> bit. I overspent on fixing it up. Um, I just, I didn't do my due diligence properly. So I, I paid certain costs, but I got into the game and I, and I got hooked back then. And it took me another four years before I bought another property. And that's when the problems came because I was not educated. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was buying assets that I had no idea. I got into a mobile home park deal. The mobile home park was great. It was just me. I didn't know the education. I didn't do the due diligence. Then I got into a commercial property that was a mixed use building. Didn't know what I was doing there. I just sold the property last year after owning it for 10 years. Um, and, you know, I always tell people no deal is better than a bad deal. And that was a bad deal. And it's not the money that I lost, but it was the time. It was the effort. It was the emotion. It was the energy suck. I did meet, I did learn a lot of great things. I learned that I don't want to have anything to do with strip malls. I learned that I need to educate myself. I learned how to deal with tenants. I learn how to get in the game and deal with adversity. Um, and that didn't make me stop. Um, it's either moving away from pain or moving towards pleasure with motivation. And I was moving away from pain. So I said to myself, I've got to learn this multifamily gig. I've got to get out, get out of the restaurant. And the, the bigger question to answer your question was, I didn't want to fix and flip because I already had a job. So I didn't want to go out and get that real, real ordinary income where I'm running around fixing houses. And even if you're not doing it yourself, you're managing those guys, it's still a job. At the end of the day, it's a transaction. Transactions don't make you wealthy. Equity makes you wealthy. And I think I knew that intuitively, but until I started buying multifamilies, that was just verified for me. Yeah, so true right there, Gino. And I think that's a big thing for many people out there listening is getting into real estate. If you don't do it right, you can easily acquire yourself another full-time job if you're not careful. So mm -hmm. get out there and start wholesaling deals or fixing and flipping. And you're right, just right off the bat, you've got another job. And that's not what many people need. Mm -hmm. Now, I like how you said you got started with a fourplex and you did a lot of things wrong. But I really like to say if you get started doing the right things, then later you can do things right. So you guys started investing in real estate, doing these buy and holds, made a lot of mistakes along the way. Tell us what you learned and how those were important lessons carrying over into your multifamily ventures going forward. I mean, there's just so many things I did wrong in the very beginning. I mean, not knowing the asset, <laughs> not knowing the asset class is, is the key thing, right? So just because you buy single family homes, and I don't think there's a huge difference, but there are these certain nuances that you really need to know. Buying a single family home is different than buying mobile home parks. Now mobile home parks, are you gonna do a lot of rentals? Or are you gonna own the lots? Or are you just gonna own the trailers too? Big difference. Know the niche you're getting into. And don't be afraid to spend thousands, of, you heard me, thousands of dollars on your education. I did a rich dad training. I did another, another two courses that cost me thousands and tens of thousands of dollars. Coaching school cost me another 10 grand. So my education is into the, I don't wanna say 100,000, but it's let's say college education. If you go to school for four years, you spend 100 grand in college education to get a $40,000 a year job. Don't you think you can spend 10 or 20 on real estate and it'll set you up for the rest of your life? And you're learning stuff that you can apply to today, not stuff that you're going to learn in four years and it's going to be obsolete after you get your college diploma. Huge difference. It's not a cost. It's an investment. You're investing in yourself. And that's one of the other things I truly learned. 
Um, I can go on. Let me let me let, list a few other things. Getting the right team members. I had an idiot for a lawyer, but I was the because <laughs> I hired him, right? So yeah, you know what he was doing. He cost me on the deal because I didn't do my proper due diligence. You're going to hear that word a lot in anything you do in life, whether you're marrying a woman, whether you're picking a school, whether you're going, uh, you know. To going to college, whatever it is, you have to do your due diligence. You have to spend time. People spend more time choosing a car to buy than they do buying an investment or looking at a sponsor who they're going to go into partnership with. You need to do due diligence on every aspect of the deal you're doing. And I didn't do my proper due diligence. I didn't even know what that was. So now, you know, with the Jake and Gino platform, we've created documents on due diligence because all these things that I've learned, we've translated into, into actually how to do them. Let me let me think of a couple other things that I, that I did wrong. Um, not choosing the market. I chose a bad market with, with, with real estate. I was up in the Northeast. There's no job growth. There's no population growth. The employer stunk out there. There was no rent growth. I didn't know why I was buying it up there other than it was close to my house. The biggest mistake that I think I made, unfortunately, I should have just held on and just waited and then really educated myself and said, first thing you need to do is focus on the market. Once you've chosen a market for certain uh, criteria that you'll learn, that you should learn, that's when you start analyzing deals. That, that Those are a couple of my really, really high-level blunders, I would say. Yeah. Well, you've made a few mistakes going along the way, Gino, but they're probably not something you regret so much. You've really learned from them, I'm sure, and taken those lessons forward and really, really pulled value out of those mistakes. Mm -hmm. Totally. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Well, how does somebody get into multifamily, Gino? Just like getting into single family. I think there's so many limiting beliefs and so many dispelling myths out there uh, for people with multifamily, I, I think part of the problem is that everyone is comfortable with single family. Everyone can, you know, touch a house and go, I can afford to buy a house, right? It's residential financing. It's small. People do it. And I'm going to let people learn in on a little, I guess, little secret. It's not a secret. You can read the book. It's The Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco. There's five laws, five commandments that you really need to focus on when you're when you're um, looking at a business or looking at an adventure. At an adventure. These are five commandments of how to create wealth. The first one is the need. Do people need what your what your what your offer is in single family? They do. In multifamily, even more. Right. The next one is the entry to barrier. The barrier to entry. The entry. Single family is not a hard barrier to entry. That's the problem with single family. Everybody can do it, and that's why the margins to flip a house. Guys out there, twenty grand if you're lucky. And that's a lot of work to make twenty grand, and then you get taxed on it. And then you got to go find another one. And if you hit the if you hit the uh, curve wrong, you're dead, right? The next one is control. Control. You want to have control with single family homes. You do have control, but multifamily is the same thing. You do have control. You don't have control in the stock market, right? The next one is S. Scalability. Scalability is huge in multifamily. That's the name of the game. You start scaling up and acquiring more assets. I can buy a hundred unit property, go out and buy a hundred single family homes. How long is it going to take you? You know how much money it's going to be? It's a nightmare. You're not going to manage those. So that is massive, right? And the last one is T, which is time. You want to be able to scale your time. You want to be able to hire property managers. You want to be able to, you know, hire res um, maintenance guys. You want to be able to leverage your time. It's so much easier with multifamily. So those five tenants and those five laws, they all get nailed. It's all checked in the box of multifamily. Single family, I'm telling you, there's a couple of them that, that struggle. And when you have that, I mean, multifamily is obviously competitive right now, but you know what I'm talking about. Maybe those institutional 100 unit plus is a lot of competition. But when you're in a 20 units and 30 unit space, there's a lot of mom and pops out there that don't think they can do it. And there's less competition in that space right now. So I, I wholeheartedly agree. That's why I love multifamily. 
Yeah, and that's kind of where you've carved out your your little niche, your bread and butter places, buying these mom and pop operated apartments. So can you kind of talk about that sweet spot? Sure. Basically, I, I don't. I, I think we might have coined the term mom and pop apartments. Um, what I look at a mom and pop is in real estate or and in anything in life when you're trying to negotiate, the other side has to be a little motivated. If they're not motivated, you're not getting a deal. You're buying it at retail. So um, you all know what I'm talking about about there. There has to be some type of motivation from the seller. Now, motivation from the seller in real estate is: Are you burned out? Do you want to retire? Are you have a better opportunity? Your 1031 money. Do you have health reasons? Are you going bankrupt? Are you disabled? I mean, the list goes on and on. Everyone has their own motivation. Are you moving out of state because you're finding you're, you're moving your jobs, or are you an out of state investor who all of a sudden just doesn't want to deal with the property anymore, or did you inherit the property because you know what your mom died and now you have nothing to do with this 32 units? So there's a lot of you know motivation and that goes in with the mom and pop investor, that, that, that persona. And the other thing is, I mean, there's a lot of, we bought from a lot of different types of mom and pops. That's why we came up with it. They can be a 25 unit mom and pop, or they can be a 156 unit institutional mom and pop, where you have partner infighting, or you have family infighting, something going on. And that's what you all need to do on this call. It's, it's building rapport with the broker, but finding out the story of the property. You know, we're always thinking about negotiation is it's 80% talking and you're beating the other side on the head. No, it's really actually 80% listening, finding out why they're selling the property. Why is this motivated seller selling the property? Maybe you can actually solve this problem and come in and figure out what he needs to get off the table, whether he's moving, whether he's doing a 1031, great. You know he's doing a 1031, he needs to close quick. So maybe you can offer him a little bit less money, offer him an all cash deal, make him feel a little bit better and you can close on that. So your, your job as an investor is to add value to the other side. That that's the number one key. If you can find out why they're motivated and why they're selling, you can solve that problem. You're gonna be you're gonna be really wealthy. And let me talk about that with the scale. If you're doing this on ten or fifteen units, great. But if you're doing this on a thousand units or eight hundred units, and you're adding value to those eight hundred tenants, you can see the multiplier effect. It becomes really massive. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to what you just said. At the base of it, real estate investors are problem solvers. That's that's the that's the name of the game. That's the nature of the business. So if you can solve those problems for the seller, then that's really where you provide value. And like you said, with scale, if you can provide value for many units, then now you can start to see how that is a little better than maybe just taking a single family down one at a time. Yeah, and but, let, let me ask you a question. Let me let me let me expand on that just for a second. Yeah. The, defini the definition of an entrepreneur, isn't it someone who solves a problem for a profit? I mean, everyone, everyone's, I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard of Zig Ziglar. That's what he says. I don't remember exactly what he said, but if you give mm -hmm. people enough of what they want, you're going to be able to get whatever you want. That's what it comes down to. So if you're servicing six or seven tenants, that's great. But if you're serving 60 or 70 tenants and you're servicing them right, you're going to make more money. You're going to be able to serve more people. And that's what the problem with the single family space is. You can't scale up to get to that point. Um, with the multifamily, you can do that. You're servicing more tenants. You're able to you know, offer more solutions and you're going to create more value at that level. Yeah, I love it. So Gino, looking back along your journey up to this point, you started with the fourplex, dabbled in some different asset types, some commercial, which you didn't really like, and then eventually transitioned to multifamily. So how did you get started with that first multifamily deal? It was right up the street from the restaurant, comfort zone back then. It was still, you can still buy them reasonably in New York. And, um, you know, what was really great about it was it was sort of owner occupied. We could use one of the garages to store some stuff in the restaurant. Um, it had a little detached garage. 
Um, I, I just liked it. It was really distressed. It was really total mom and pop. Five siblings had inherited it. I wish I had done negotiation a little bit. I could probably say 50 grand on the price. I could have gotten more money back at closing. It was a buried oil tank. I had spent some money there. I could have gotten some more money to fix the property. Um, but I didn't do that. But you know what? It's okay when you make those mistakes because those mistakes will teach you to go to the next deal. So that's how I got into it. I got into it just me and my brother. We bought the property. We still own the property 16 years later. So uh, I love the little property. It's right up the street. Like I said, we still have a storage unit there. So um, I always tell people, think big and start small. And I, that's what I ended up doing. I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to retire from it ultimately, but I started with a fourplex. Yeah. Well, I think one of the limiting beliefs, which you touched on earlier, Gino, of many people out there is the money aspect, the financing. Yep. When you start dealing with these larger deals, all it is is the same deal with a few more zeros. Mm -hmm. And I think that starts to scare people. So could you talk about the mentality of taking on those extra zeros sure. and just kind of the financing aspect of these? So, you know, when we first started out, Jake, myself, and my brother, we did it, the 25 unit deal in Tennessee back in 2013. We got 10% owner financing on our first deal. It's a $600,000 deal. We need to come up with $60,000 between the three of us, and we need another $28,000 in closing costs, $23,000 in closing costs. So we had to come up with roughly like $30,000 each for the three of us. We got it. You go out and find partners. You do what you need to do to get that first deal done. Because the second deal came, and I'm sitting in the restaurant, and I've got my chef coat. I'm all dirty. One of my friends comes in, who's, you know, who's my partner now, third partner with Jake and Gino. I start talking about real estate. He was intrigued. I said, you know, we're buying, we're looking at another property. So he became, he came on as a partner with us. He had a strong balance sheet. We took our second deal down three months after our first deal. So that's how we did it. And then the third deal came eight months later. It was 136 units. Like I said, we started small, 25, 36, 136. The financing, it can, it can be tough. We didn't syndicate. I mean, let's talk about raising private money. You can raise money in this environment. Go out and start meetup groups. Start talking to people. Start talking to friends and family. Start building that database of investors. But before you do that, you need to educate yourself on how you're going to buy these things, how you're going to you know, finance these things, how you're going to buy them right, and how you're going to manage them. And then, so let's talk about the leverage. So people are always fixated on, you know, when this market cools down or when I have enough money for a down payment, they're missing the boat on it. It's not that. If you're going to wait for 2020 for the correction, and I agree, we may be overinflated, but by the time that correction comes, you're not ready. You have no investor database. You have no education. You're going to miss the spot. You need to start today. You need to start educating yourself today on the on the investment, on the opportunity, and learn as you go. You need to create that team of people that are around you. And that's not going to happen if you keep saying, I'm going to wait till I save up money. Because I was just talking to somebody the other day. Go back and Google books on real estate written back in the 1970s. Boggle <laughs> your mind. It sounds as if it, we're talking about what's going on today. Back then, people would buy houses for twenty-five or $26,000. They couldn't afford the money for the down payment because back then, two or three grand was a ton of money. Translating to today's dollars, it's the same problem that we're having nowadays. The money does not make you wealthy. The ideas and the opportunity will make you wealthy. Add that on to the value, package that all together, and that's how you get into it. I love it. Yeah. You don't wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and then wait, they mm -hmm. say. So yep. yeah, so, such true stuff there. Well, can you talk a little bit about your journey through the multifamily space, how you've kind of navigated it, maybe from the out-of-state aspect too. Lots of people have trepidations about that whole out-of-state thing. Yes. Well, that can be scary because you know most people are trained that they have to touch it. They have to be around it every day. And I was culprit, I was culprit to it in the very beginning. The restaurant, I only have one restaurant, 
but I had 900, mar- 900 units. What's the difference? The restaurant's a scalable business just like the, just like the real estate is, but it was that fear of, oh, how am I going to grow? I didn't have systems in place. There was no systems for my restaurant. I had to be there all the time. That was draining on me. I couldn't even hire a chef to get me out of the kitchen because that's how a limiting belief, that's, my, that's the way I was raised. So um, my first venture out of the market was in Rochester, New York. It was about eight hours north of where I was. Like I said, I, I start small. I think big, but I started small. I thought that if I could accumulate enough duplexes and triplexes and hit that whatever 10000 a month that I needed to live or 8000 a month at the time, I could supplement that and quit the restaurant and then go into that real estate full time. I liked that market for the fact that it was a nice cash flowing market. It was very linear. You buy a house for 50 grand, 10 years later, the house is worth 51,000. It's very linear. So you have to have the idea of, I like the market because it's a cash flowing market. Problem that I encountered up there was I couldn't scale. I wanted to get into bigger deals. There weren't that many big apartments or I just didn't have the right broker that was showing me the right stuff. So I said to myself, let me pump the brakes. Ended up meeting Jake in 2011. He was doing pharmaceutical sales, uh, getting food out of my restaurant, catering the food and bringing it to the to, to doctor's offices. And he's like, dude, I'm out of here. I've got to get out of here. He ends up moving to Tennessee in Knoxville. And um, I, I guess his fate would have it. Like I was just telling you, I was ready for the opportunity. I think everyone on this call right now, hit the pause button. Go find the book, The Richest Man in Babylon. It's so true. There's so many parts yes. to my life that, that, are, that, are, that are so true to it. Put away 10%. Find people who aren't going to rob you. Find people you want to work with, right? And, and when the opportunity, like Ark had in the story, everyone says he was lucky. He was lucky because he prepared himself. I prepared myself through those crappy deals, through the deals in Rochester, so that when Jake moved down there, I was one with the experience. I was one with the coaching ability, and I, I learned the asset. I learned how to underwrite the deals. We found our first 25-unit deal. I found him as a partner, so he was the boots on the ground. So we bought our first deal. He managed the property. He property managed the deal. He, we paid him 10% of property managed the deal. So that was my quote-unquote boots on the ground. I could have still done it through a property management company, but since he was there, we decided to have him there. Anyone on the call, if you're just thinking of doing that, let's say you want to go to Charleston, South Carolina, and you're looking to invest in there, but you don't live there, find somebody who lives there. See if you can partner up, and if they want to get into the business, the young guy, let him property manage, pay him the property manage the deal, but you have equity. You each have equity in the deal. Yeah, I love it. I think that's a good transition into talking about how you've built your team. You and Jake are quite the tag team duo and actually well known for your uh, partnership. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about the importance of bringing on a partner and maybe over that coming over that limiting belief of giving up some of the pie to take on a partner. Yeah, that's the thing. So everyone comes from a scarcity mentality and that's how it is. Yeah. The economy, the government, there's only eight slices to the pie. As an entrepreneur knows, there's not eight slices to the pie. You can compound that pie. And uh, what it has allowed us to do, I, I'll jump on and talk about, we have something that we're calling multifaceted multifamily, where it's not just the investment anymore. As you start scaling the business, other spokes of revenue start throwing out from this from this investment. Now, you guys might say, what the heck is he talking about? I'll relate it to my restaurant first, and then I'll transition into what the real estate, how it's done in the real estate. My restaurant, I was doing this before I left. My brother didn't, didn't, didn't wasn't on board, now he is. We've got the restaurant businesses, which is brick and mortar. I decided... Why don't we do some catering? So we started catering, which is another revenue, right? It's a multiple stream of income, but it's totally tied to the restaurant. The next one was my partner, Jake, got married. I did his wedding. Next one was, let's do these barbecues. These barbecues (laughs) are really nice, right? Let's do these functions, right? Wow, what about getting a food truck? That's great, right? It's another stream of income from the original business. What? I wrote a cookbook. 
Let's start doing cookbook. Let's start doing some educational training on it. I started doing YouTube videos with my kids on cooking. All of a sudden, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Let's start selling physical products. So for Jake and Gina, I've got this swag. I'm going to start selling physical products. All of a sudden, you start building a brand, and it starts exploding from that one source of revenue. You're, you're blowing it out. Now, the problem was I was working, you know, in the business. I wasn't working on the business. Until I started working on the business, I got this idea and I just said, this makes total sense. My brother wasn't on board and now all of a sudden he come out, comes out with a pizza sauce. So he's got his own marinara sauce, jarred marinara sauce. Why don't you do what P.F. Chang's does where you start stuff, selling stuff in grocery stores, whether it's a frozen brand. Now, it's, this might not be, like, what's the word? It's simple, I know it's not easy, but everyone's doing it out there. Open your eyes and see what other people are doing. They're not relying on one stream of income. That's what entrepreneurs want to do. They want to hedge themselves. They want to have that limited downside where that one stream of revenue goes, craps out. You don't have any other ones. So with the real estate, I'll transition that into the real estate. We started with the asset, 25 units. That's why I want everybody out there. If you're in a single family space, you can still relate this to your business to grow a real business. We have the asset, all of a sudden you have a property management company. That's one leg. That's one nice revenue generator. You start a property management company. The next one, wow, the education. Education, there's a lot of things with education. You're on a podcast right now. I learned all about syndication through my podcast. I've podcasted Ken McElroy. I've podcasted Brian Blair Singer, all the Rich Dad guys. I mean, you learn some amazing things from these people. T. Harv Eker, Dean Graziosi, these guys are really brilliant guys. To be able to spend time with them is amazing. The podcast also allowed me to uh, you know, recruit accredited investors if you're wanting to start raising private money. It gives you the credibility. We went out and wrote a book. So when all of a sudden Jake and Gino are looking at a deal, we send that to the broker. You think the broker is going to think we're serious, we're credible? Uh, I Absolutely. And all of a sudden, we're starting to grow the education side. We're selling training. We're actually getting students to bring us deals. So the education aspect has been huge for us. Now, let's go into the next leg that we have, which is this syndication. We haven't syndicated our deals. We're at 900 units. We're going to go to 1,000, hopefully, within the next three months. All our own private money, all our, all our own money, Jake and I, we've just been refining and rolling, refining and putting the money back into the deals. So we decided we're missing the boat on syndication. There's a little bit of a limiting belief. But we thought if we're going to syndicate, we need to focus on our investors. So we just hired somebody right now, and we're starting the syndication aspect of it where we have three to 400 people on our investor list. We need to start reaching out to them and saying, hey, raise your hand. You want to, raise, you want, you want to start investing in our deals. So couple that education. We have students bringing you deals. The brokers are, are credible. They like you. They'll bring you deals. And now you have syndication arm where you have money where you can raise. You see the synergy that's involved in this. Let's take it one step further. Within the next two years, we want to create a brokerage company where you can start actually going out there and sourcing your own deals and getting real estate brokers out there. And everything feeds itself, right? And it's not just about the commissions. It's not just about the you know transactions and anyone's operations, but they lend credence. So if somebody wants education or somebody wants to be a, you know, a, an equity partner with us, well, I have an education. I'll give you my free training here. Go if you want to just invest a hundred thousand with us, they're gonna be like, Wow, these guys are the real deal. There's so much thought and process that goes into it that, that multifaceted is really powerful. But this all started with a 25 unit deal, it's taken us five years to get there. But I, it's what I want people to think of it's not just an investment, it's a true business. And let's translate this into single family homes the same concept where you have 10 or 15 homes, you have a property management company, you're a real estate broker where you're doing this. Maybe you maybe, maybe have private money where you 
You're lending private money. We have a mortgage broker working for you. You have um, the education aspect, which is huge. Wholesaling and single homes and fixing and flipping, that's massive out there. So you write a book, so it can translate into that space also. So if you're out there listening, you should get excited about it because maybe you don't have to do multifamily. Maybe you can say to yourself, my single family home business can actually run itself and I can focus on something that I like. If you like getting on podcasts, if you like talking to investors, if you like raising private money, you can do all that in your space also. Yeah, Gina, you've really nailed down how to build an ecosystem around your initial business. And the mm -hmm. common denominators I'm hearing here are scale, 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 and then grow. Yep. So really cool stuff there. And it's it's unique to see how you guys have built a business just around your first 25 unit. Like you said, you've got the education piece. You've got the syndication piece. You've got all these spokes of the wheel. And once you build this business, you get you get to just do what it is you want in that business. Mm -hmm. That's so, right. So let me get another aspect. You can do live events. We're doing live events every year. You can start doing meetups from that every year. You can become a speaker. I mean, there's so many things. You choose your niche that you like, whether you like podcasting, whether you like you know YouTube videoing, whether you like being on stage, whatever the aspect is, it's just getting yourself out there. And once you start writing, I like, I like writing articles also. So once you start writing articles and doing videos and people seeing you as that, you're positioning yourself as an expert. They're going to come to you. They're going to come and gravitate towards you because you're giving. It's all about giving to the community. For you to give, for you to give, you're going to get stuff in return. Yeah, I love it. Well, Gino, how have you made real estate a lifestyle and not a job? Like we talked about at the beginning of the show, not acquiring another job, but rather building it to create a lifestyle for yourself. That's great. I mean, I uh, uh, I was always under the precept that your business dictates your lifestyle. That's what the restaurant did. I had to be in New York. I had to be there Tuesday through Saturday, Sunday. I worked every weekend. I worked every holiday. I just, that was just the way it was. That's the way I thought it was. You know, once I got into the real estate space and I started scaling and I started buying these, I left the restaurant over two years ago. It's been my lifestyle is dictating my business. I moved down to Florida. I was actually going to start investing in Jacksonville. But when I moved down here, you know, uh, it just did not market had inflated so much. I said, you know what? I'm stuck in here. I love St. Augustine. I'm going to stay on here. We're going to still continue to buy in Knoxville. So that gave me the opportunity to start focusing on Jake and Gino. And that's what we're talking about, the lifestyle. So I was up in New York two weeks ago for two weeks. I'm going to be going down to Atlanta in July. I'm going to be going to New York again in August, Knoxville in September, Nashville in October, and New York in November. So it's I create my schedule. I create my lifestyle to whatever I want to do. My kids are actually in Disney for two days this week. I normally go with them. So it's been able, it's been allowed, it's allowed me to do, you know, what I want. And I think financial freedom, people get mixed up with this. They think that they're going to make all this money retire. To me, financial freedom is doing what you want, when you want, where you want. I think more importantly, whoever you want to. So you don't have to do business with people you don't like, right? And I think it's important that people focus on becoming financially free. Because once they become financially free, you're going to have so many more opportunities come your way and it's just you listen it's scary i mean you're used to making a certain amount of money and then you take that leap it's scary but i guarantee you you're not going to regret it yeah gino for those people who are looking to break into the multifamily space maybe the young professional what single piece of advice would you have for someone like that you know what it might be self-serving but join a community Become part of the Jake and Gino community. Become part of those other guys that are out there. I mean, I can name a bunch of guys out there. I like Michael Blank, Reed Goosens, Brad Sumrock, all these guys that are doing it. You know, join one of the communities. Put some skin in the game. Pick one of the guys you like and you resonate most with and go out there and see what they're doing and try not to reinvent the wheel. I mean, if I had 
if I had not had that experience, I probably wouldn't have gotten into a 25 unit deal from all my other mentors that were teaching me. That really accelerated my learning curve. I got into it a lot faster and I made less mistakes. So I think don't be afraid to put some skin in the game up front. Because if you're not willing to invest in yourself and invest in your education, you're going to stumble in this because there's a lot of things that you're not going to know. And why pay for that advice? If you can learn one or two things on a due diligence and save yourself five or 10 grand, that pays for the education three times over. So I think align yourself with people you like, people you trust, and then go out there and learn it and then leverage them, use them. Yeah, I love it. Well, Gino, as we're wrapping up here, we've got a lightning round, a series of questions we ask every one of our guests. Are you up for it? I'm always up for it. (laughs) All right. Well, Gino, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And what did you do to overcome that? Biggest hurdle was limiting belief was, um, like everybody else, didn't have enough money. So what I ended up doing is just got a partner. Got a partner and then I got another partner. Yeah, awesome. Well, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success? I don't know so much as a habit as a mindset. Uh, I am just persistent. I will. I am all about fulfilling. If somebody needs something, I need to get it done. It's a bad trait because sometimes I'm up at 11 o'clock doing stuff, but um, <laughs> I don't want to let people down. I have a fiduciary responsibility to a lot of people, and I want to fulfill, and I want to, I want to, you know, you know, get my end of the bargain. So that's why Jake and I work really well. We're both the same kind of thing. I don't want to be generic and call it make it happen, but that's what you have to do in life. You have to decide that you're not going to settle for less. You're going to give it your best. And if you fail, you fail, but at least you gave it your best. Yeah, I love it. Well, Gino, do you have an online resource you find valuable? Online resource. I'm just trying to think. The only thing I, will, I really look at online is the Drudge Report. I, I mean, online resources, I do a lot of reading. Um, I, I look at the, a lot of these other guys' websites to see what they're doing and how they're training. But, um, you know, basically, uh, I don't like social media as much. I should be on social media a little bit more, but I just don't. I'm, I'm forced to it. You know, when you're building the community and all, I'm, I don't understand Instagram where you're taking pictures and videos. That doesn't get me motivated. I'm beyond that. You know, I mean, there's so many personalities out there. If you want to get a kick in the butt, listen to us, listen to Gary Vee, listen to Greg yeah. Cardone, those guys out there, they'll do that. But I don't really need to be self-motivated anymore because I love what I'm doing. And that's the difference when you love what you're doing. It's Friday. I really don't want to really have the weekend because I got to wait till Monday to get back to work. I didn't feel like that until I left the restaurant. So I don't need Gary Vee telling me to get up and get motivated. I'm beyond that right now. So, <laughs> But if you need that, there's nothing wrong with it. I did need that a few years ago. I did need to Tony Robbins. I did need to listen to Zig Ziglar. So listen to those personalities. I did need to read Napoleon Hill Think and Grow Rich three times because I needed to surround myself with those positive messages. Yeah, awesome. Well, Gino, what book would you recommend to the listeners and why? Uh, Napoleon Hill Think and Grow Rich. I think you start out with that book. He is the, I think, the pre-guru. I think everyone has taken from him. Um, he did it for 25 years. He wasn't rich. He interviewed guys who were rich. So he learned from them. And I think he put out an, an amazing piece of content. And I think everyone's been referencing that ever since then. I would definitely list, read that book for sure. Yeah. We'll link that book in the show notes. If our audience members haven't read it yet, highly recommend it. Another classic. So yeah, definitely pick that up. Mm-hmm. Gino, last question here. If you were to give advice to your 20-year-old self to get started investing in real estate, what would you tell yourself? I think this is something similar to what Gary Vee says. When you're young in your 20s, don't think about a paycheck. Don't think about money. Think about learning as much as you possibly can. Latch yourself onto somebody who's older than you, who's doing what you want to do. Try to add massive value and think ultimately to become financially free. Don't work for money. That's, that's one thing I would have told myself when I was 20 years old. Focus on what you like to do. Focus on becoming financially free and try to learn as much as possible. 
Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, Gino, it's been a great interview. You've provided us a ton of great content, valuable content. It's really interesting to see your journey and how you've transitioned into the multifamily space. You actually have a podcast. So can you tell us a little bit about that podcast and where our audience members can learn more about you if they're interested? Sure. I mean, uh, we have a website called jakeandgino.com, best-selling book uh, on Amazon called Wheelbarrow Profits. Um, I can be reached at gino at jakeandgino.com. Our podcast is uh, with the Wheelbarrow Profits podcast. And you guys are like, what the heck is up with a wheelbarrow? Let me show you the wheelbarrow. Wheelbarrow right there is buy right, manage right, and finance right. The buy right is the back leg. The manage right is the wheel, which is in constant motion. And the finance right is the other leg. You need all three of those to be working properly. Because if not, the wheelbarrow is going to tip and you're going to have a crappy investment. So that's how we started the name of the podcast. And we basically focus all on multifamily. We've been doing a little bit more about gen biz and trying to scale businesses and try to look at it as a business, not just from a landlord perspective. So, um, you know, the podcast is on iTunes. We have it on Spreaker. Um, and we have it on, we have a YouTube channel also. Well, tell us about your upcoming conference. Oh, in October, October 6th and 7th, um, we are having a conference in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets are on sale. If any of your members, uh, listeners want to reach out to me, reach out to me. I'd love to give you uh, one ticket free. The tickets right now, I think, are 250 bucks. But if you bring a spouse or a partner, I'll comp you one of the tickets. It's in Nashville. It's in a beautiful, you know, beautiful city. The hotel is great. Um, it's at the Renaissance. Last year, we had 175 people. We're looking to have a little over 300 people this year. Um, no upsells there. We're not upsells. As you can see, I'm not really a great salesman. I'm just out here trying and provide value and we have, we have a bunch of we have our vendors out there so we have our all our team members out there so that's where you're going to network we have a great you know great group of people we have dave zook as one of our speakers i'm trying to think well we have kim taylor our syndication attorney jake and i are going to do a few presentations reed goosens is out there he's going to be emceeing the event so jay scott from bigger pockets is going to be out there speaking so it's going to be a ton of event a ton of ton of information basically geared to the multifamily space that's what we did last year we had a great success um, so we want to replicate it this year. A little more networking on this one, a little bit more breakouts on this one. Big q and I'm going to have a super success panel this second day. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think it's so, worth, it's so worth the price. Get out there. You have to go to a couple events a year. You need to network and to meet people, if nothing else, because you never know where you're going to meet your partner or your next source of revenue. We've had people out there at these events and say, wow, I met my partner there. Or wow, I found a deal there. Or wow, I sourced 50000 Whatever it is, they're just great events. They keep you energized. They keep you motivated. They keep you focused. And then you become part of the community. That's what it's all about, becoming part of that community. Yeah, I love it. Well, Gino, I look forward to seeing you in Nashville in October. It's been such a great time today. I've really enjoyed sitting down and talking with you. We look forward to having you back on the show. So thanks so much for coming on today. Jacob, anytime I meet back on, we got our first syndication. I want to come back on and work and walk that through with you guys. Okay. All right. Let's make it happen. Thanks, Jacob. Have a great right. day. Take care, Gino. up our episode today with Gino Barbaro. I really hope you got value from today's show. If you like what you've heard, please leave a rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. Till next time, signing off, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. 
information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom LLC exclusively.